The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And so, man, wasn't worship awesome? Man, that exhortation from young Kendra, I was thinking grade seven. I was. No, she's grade eight. Grade eight? Grade eight? Praise God. I, I don't know what I was doing grade eight. I, I, I definitely wasn't giving exhortations, I'll tell you that. Man, that was powerful, wasn't it? Amen. So when you see it, tell it that was powerful. Amen. And uh, so we, we've been on a journey, we've been on this series uh, that I've uh, titled Settling into Maturity, amen? And uh, we call it Settling into Maturity because uh, sometimes Christians uh, wander in the desert of immaturity for, for, for long, for too long, and uh, they miss out on God's blessing, they miss out on what God uh, is trying to do in their lives. In fact, in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul says, if an heir, right, if an heir who's supposed to be an heir to the inheritance of God remains a child, he is not different from a, a, a slave. And uh, so we need to grow up. We need to mature. And uh, the book of Ephesians is really a powerful book uh, that speaks to our potential. Uh, I was uh, teaching a group of pastors about two weeks ago in a you know, we were dealing with problems, and pastors always deal with problems, and I, I, I gave him an encouraging word. I said, you know, out of all the 13 letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, uh, uh, 12 of them were, were dealing with problems, you know. And so, if you are a leader in any setting, uh, you, 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 you're going to deal with problems, amen? Uh, but the book of Ephesians rises above the level of problems. You can either live your life at the level of fixing problems or to the fullest of your potential. You can get into your business in a comfort zone to where you are tempted to relax and pull back, or while you're in that comfort zone, realize that there is so much more that God wants to do through it, and then shoot for your potential. So there are two ways to live life. You can either live at the level of solving problems or really shoot for the potential. Can I get an amen? And the book of Ephesians seems to uh, help us shoot for our potential. That's why he tells us uh, 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 in the first three chapters, he focuses on our positional truth. Uh, we say the book of Ephesians is divided into two. The first three chapters is focused on our positional truth, who you are in Christ, what you look like in your spirit, man, uh, what Jesus gave you, where you are seated in heavenly places, and, and all these awesome things. Uh, and, and the last three chapters really show you how you can apply that uh, in the world. And we call that the vital truth, which is the application 
uh, of your positional truth into daily living. Amen. And so uh, last week we learned that uh, while we are seated in heavenly places far above all principalities accepted in the beloved, uh, while we are uh, citizens in this kingdom, spiritually speaking, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, certain things in the practical sense or certain relationships uh, where we live, uh, all of that translates into some things that are really practical, not spooky at all. Uh, we learned the role of a wife. Uh, you said, uh, having learned all the spiritual truths, for a wife, it boils down to this. Wives, submit to your own husband. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 <laughs> amen. It's getting quiet. And then he said to the husbands, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And we said what that means is sacrifice. Someone say sacrifice. You know, I shared a story uh, 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 some time ago, it could have been last year, of the difference between the two. Because when we say to, to brothers, you know, sacrifice, it's a sacrificial love uh, for your family and in, myself included. You know, anybody can make uh, sacrifices when it's in the dictionary, right? You can define it and think you can do it. But there was a story told, an old story tells, uh, uh, was told between... Uh, in the animal kingdom, and uh, so the, the, these animals wanted to do something for their king to celebrate his, his birthday, and so they came together and had a committee, and they were talking about what they were going to do for him, and uh, the chickens uh, said, uh, we have an idea, you know. Uh, in fact, the pig said to the chicken, I have an idea, and the chicken said, what's the idea? He said, we can make him breakfast and bring him some eggs, scrambled eggs, and uh, the chicken said, oh, that's great. While we at it, we also must bring in some bacon. And uh, the pig said, for you to bring uh, eggs is just an offering. For me to bring bacon is a sacrifice because I have to die through the process. And so when he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ the church, love the church, he's talking about a sacrifice to the point of death. Now, brothers, can I get an amen? Amen. And so he's very practical with that. And so he says all of those spiritual truths, it boils down to sacrifice. Amen? And so you didn't leave the family unit, you know, uh, uh, incomplete. Because in chapter number 6, verse 1, he says children. So he dealt with the wife, dealt with the husband. Now he's dealing with children. Any children in the house? Any children in the house? Old children, little children, it's the same. It's the same. If you've got parents, you know, this is for you, right? He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so in dealing with children, you know, wives are to submit. Husbands love their uh, wife as Christ, but children are to obey. Now, submission and love, especially sacrificial love, it demands for maturity and knowledge. But when you're dealing with children, he uses this word obedience because sometimes uh, you get to be a child from zero, right? From two months. One to, and he's saying, you know, uh, as you're growing up as a child, you ought to obey your parents. Amen? Man, I wish my children were in here. I would <laughs> preach this hard. <laughs> Amen? And, 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 and he says this in verse 2. He says... Uh, uh, the way you do it, right, as a child, he says, honor your father and your mother. And, 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 and by the way, he's talking about your biological, someone said biological. You know, sometimes we try to spiritualize things that are just simple. He's talking about your, your mother and your father. 
your natural mother and your father. He says, and, and adopted is included in there, natural, you know, father and your mother. He says, you must honor them. Which means you don't talk to your parents any kind of way. Can I get an amen? amen? You know, you don't talk to them like you've lost your mind. You, you talk to them with honor. Honor your father and your mother. And he says, which is the first commandment with promise. And so honor, honor is respect. Honor is, 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 is reverence. Amen. Amen. And, and I know we live in a time and in a generation where we think we can do our own thing. But, you know, I'm so glad I'm African because uh, even the setup of, of an African community uh, uh, encourages for us to be able to keep Ephesians chapter number 6 verse 2. It encourages honor. Uh, that's why, you know, I was talking to this guy, uh, Marshall, and he came to my office, and he's a spiritual guy. And he said, you know, Pastor T, um, you know, I, I'm getting, I want to get married, but I'm not going to do this Lobola thing. I ain't going to pay nothing because I think it's connected to the ancestors and traditional and, and so on and so on. And I said to him, hold on now. I, I think you may be getting this whole thing wrong. The purpose of Lobola is, is, is honor. Can I get an amen? amen. And, and not just that, for the Westerners, you know, I have a few, we have a few people that are Westerners here, my good, our good friends from Ireland, you know, uh, uh, you know, Lobola, Scotland, Scotland, and, and we had Americans earlier on in the first service, and we bring up Lobola, they think you're going to buy a person. Now, 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 if you were going to buy my daughter, let me tell you up front, you can't afford it. Because I put in too, I put in way too much, just school fees for one term. You multiply that by about 18 years. Can I get an amen? So, so for my Western people, you're not going to buy a person. You can't afford a person. It's about honor because the, the elders don't want you and I to do our own thing in Joburg. And so they say at some point you got to come and, and, and we must check out what you're doing. Can I get an Amen. And so, and so, aren't your neighbor? I said, don't do your own thing in Jobek. Don't do, don't do. Hallelujah. <laughs> tell them staying with someone who hasn't paid Lobola ain't right. Tell them. Tell them it ain't right. Tell them it ain't right. It's called shacking. Hallelujah. Well, yeah, you, you know, pastor, you know, they, they say they are my partner. Oh, my boyfriend, you know, we decided to move together to cut costs. There's no honor in that. Man, man, and, I'm, and I know you came here and you know someone uh, 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 who this message is for, but the Lord didn't bring him here. He brought you. And so for some of you, at the end of the service, you, you're going to have to call your father and your mother and say, I'm sorry. You see, I didn't get a single amen. Did you see that? I might not get a bigger offering. But thank God we already took the offering. That's a joke. Settle down. That's a joke. But, 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 but here's the truth, guys. Is that, you know, the Apostle Paul is saying, as spiritual as chapter number 1, 2, and 3 are, when it comes to daily living, it translates to this. When it comes to your parents, you must honor them, which means you must respect them, number one. And number two, you honor them with substance. You must bring them gifts. 
You must give them money. Your, your, your natural biological parents, you honor them with substance. Even the Lord himself, he said this. He said, why do you honor me with your lips only? See, honor is not lip service. Can I get an amen? There has to be stuff that you bring. Honor has substance to it. He says, you call me Lord, Lord, but won't do what I tell you. So if you really honor your parents, you begin to listen to their advice. Now, this is a hard sermon, but I have to preach it because I committed to preach Ephesians, the whole thing. Yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't back out of it. It was too late. Can I get an amen? And so rebellion, you know, uh, the spirit of rebellion, it rebels against uh, parents. And parents are uh, your God-given authority in the setup of a house. The, the, the parents, they are in charge. You know, my youngest one, she, she, she likes to, to, to ask questions. So she asked me, she said, I, I told her, I said, hey, you need to go sleep now. She said, uh, but why? And, and I couldn't explain, you know, because I was, I, was, I was doing something. I was busy on my computer. So I said, it's because I say so. So what you mean? I said, because I'm in charge. And she said, who put you in charge? And I, get, <laughs> I gave her the wrong answer. You know, I said, I put myself. That was not the right answer. God put me in charge, amen, to be a parent. And so the, the, the established authority, right, in the household is that the father is the head of the home. Now, now that doesn't mean it's a position of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, social class. It just means you have a position of responsibility. When it says you are the head of your family or the head of your wife, uh, don't look at it as some type of CEO. It's a position of responsibility. What he means is when, when something goes down, when God comes to look for somebody to talk to, He's going to talk to the one that he put in charge. Can I get an amen? amen. So, so brothers, this is a position of responsibility. You can't blame your neighbor. You can't blame, blame your work colleague or your children. You are in charge and God put you there and you better act like you know you are in charge. Can I get an amen? amen. And so in verse number four, he says, You fathers or you parents provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up. In the nature and admonition of the Lord. And so we as fathers, we are not to aggravate our children. We are not to uh, become angry and, 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 and so on and so forth. And, and treat uh, uh, out of anger and uh, discipline out of anger instead of out of, you know, uh, what needs to be done and instruction. And so the Bible instructs us in Proverbs 22 verse 7 that we should train up children in the ways of the Lord. And the way we do that is by bringing them up in the ways of God's word. Amen. And so after dealing with the family setup in verse 5, he goes to the employee uh, uh, worker relationship, employer-employee relationship, and he said this in verse 5, servants, which could be employees, right? Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Now, in verse 1, he says, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. To your bosses, he says, be obedient to them in the flesh. What he means is, when it comes to your boss, his jurisdiction does not tread into your spiritual matters. Can be telling me how to or who to worship. Yeah. Yeah. We are here to just do work. Let's do work. So he says, obey them in the flesh. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen? And then he says, with fear, which is honor, trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. 
Amen. And then he says in verse 6, not with eye service. In other words, you just don't work when someone is looking. You, you work with a different attitude. Not with eye service, not as men pleasers. You know, you only become a man pleaser uh, when you think that men are your source and not God. And so he says, don't be uh, working with eye service or men pleasers, but as born servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, uh, uh, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, you will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is an employee or a boss, whether he's slave or free. And so he's talking to us that when we go to work, we should work as unto the Lord. That's what he says in Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you find your hands to do, do it as unto the Lord, knowing that your reward will come from the Lord. Now, someone may say, but Pastor D, you don't understand. My boss is a God-hater and, 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 and I wish they'd listen to this sermon. No, uh, uh, God is the one that is the ultimate promoter. Can I get an amen? It says in Psalm 75, it says that promotion does not come from the east or the west, but it is God who promotes one and demotes another. And it also says in Proverbs 21, the heart of your boss, the heart of the king, is in the hand of the Lord. And like a stream, he will direct it in which direction he wants it to go. You know, many, many years ago, I had a, 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 a TV network approach me and they put me on television. I'm really cutting this story short. Put me on television. And so I had a television broadcast every week. And while we were there, someone joined the company who didn't like me very much. And so they fired me on the spot. Now, they were not the one that put me in there so they can't fire me. And so they fired me on the spot and they didn't realize that the, the big boss is the one that promotes people. And within a short space of time, I got a call from another television network, bigger and better, and they said, we're going to give you the same deal. Amen. And so man is not your source. God is. And so when you work as unto the Lord, God will see to it that you're promoted. Can I get an Amen. And so he says to the boss, verse 9, everybody, no one is left out. Did y'all see that? Husbands, lift your hands. Just husbands, lift your hand. Wives, lift your hand. Uh, children, lift your hand. Employees, lift your hand. Bosses, lift your hand. Your neighbor lifted their hand at one or the other. And so no one is left out. And so he says to the bosses, you masters, do the same things for them. Giving up threatening. So you shouldn't be threatening your employees. There's another way to motivate outside of threatening. Can I get an amen? He says, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also in heaven, uh, uh, and there is no partiality with him. And so you must treat them like, you know, uh, 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 God would, would treat people. That does not mean you entertain sloppiness. It doesn't mean that. It means you, 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 you fire them. You can say, uh, uh, you slothful servant, give me that talent. And give it to the one with ten talents. You can say it like the Lord, right? You know, and bless them to go work somewhere else. Can I get an amen? I ain't got to threaten anybody. And then he says this. Let's wrap it up. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, the instruction is to be strong. Be that. 
Amen. You know, I'm still looking for this scripture. Maybe you can help me. I know we have uh, some students here, gurus in the word. Some people have done, you know, Bible school. Maybe you could help me with this. I'm still looking for scripture that says this. That says, uh, with, in this regard, I suggest. I'm still looking for that scripture. That starts with I suggest. He doesn't say that. He says, finally, my brethren, the final instruction is be strong. Be that. And the reason he's saying be strong is because he doesn't want you to be the opposite, which is weakness. He wants you to be strong. <laughs> See, weakness is not a spiritual virtue. And I've learned through life that, that, that the strong always end up coming on top. And so he's saying be strong, but here's the good news. You don't have to be strong in yourself. He says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness uh, of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Someone say the whole armor. Not part of it, not half of it, the, the whole deal, right? And he says, so that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt up with the truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and on your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the, of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so the Apostle Paul is preparing us for warfare, spiritual warfare, and he says we must take on uh, the whole armor of God. He's sitting in a uh, Roman prison and he's writing this letter and he's looking at a Roman prison guard and he's using all these physical things to, to, to show us spiritual virtues and realities that can help us win in this battle. And so one of the things he says is that we must put on the breastplate of faith and love. Is that correct? That was a trap, and you walked right into it. <laughs> Let's go to First Thessalonians five eight. And I and and and, and I'm I'm not con I'm not really criticizing you, but I'm just trying to show you something, so you can read the whole thing, right? He says, "But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of what?" <laughs> now, now someone was trying to correct me because they were loyal to the symbolism. Now, the reason why the Apostle Paul is not loyal to his own symbolism, it is because it's not about the symbol. Amen? Amen? And so he can switch around the symbolism. It's not about the symbol. And so over here, he says it's a breastplate of faith and love. Over there in Ephesians, he says it's a breastplate of what? Righteousness. And, and it can be a breastplate of whatever. Don't focus on the breastplate. The breastplate can't help you. It's the spiritual truths you should be focusing on. And so there are certain things that God has put in the church. And he has given us symbols and, and, and symbolism just to help us. Uh, remember certain things, right? So we can remember only one name. Whenever you see a symbol in the Bible, it is pointing to one name and one name only. And who is that name? Jesus. And so he says over there in James chapter number 5, If anyone among you is sick, send the elders to his house and let the elders anoint him with oil. And he then tells you what's going to help the person who's sick. He says, for the prayer of faith, faith in who? In Jesus Christ, shall save the sick. He doesn't say, and the oil shall save the sick. Because the symbol does not have the power. 
It's the spiritual virtue that has the power. And that spiritual virtue is only one name. His name is Jesus. And so people get loyal to the symbolism. Man, I saw it on Instagram. This woman, she had a little bottle of oil. And she, she was saying, you know, this is what you must do every single morning. You must go around your house and take that oil and put it on your door. Put it on your garage. Put it on your children. Them little uh, uh, rascals were going to school shiny foreheads. <laughs> every day going and shiny foreheads. Their friends are like, are you crazy? What's that on your forehead? This, this, I don't know. My mom put cooking oil every day. Put, put, putting cooking oil on me. And she was saying, this is what she was saying. She was saying, this oil. And I, I shared with Pastor Henry. I said, this is crazy. She said, this oil, you know. And the one person said, can I do this for my own house? And, and people are crazy. People, Christians are naive. That's why it says in chapter number four of Ephesians, don't be, don't be uh, uh, immature. Grow up so that you may not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. This thing is supposed to be simple. And so people were typing in the comment section, can I do it? She says, yeah, you can do it, but don't use your own oil. She said in the bio there's a link you can buy the oil that I've prayed for and, uh, and fasted over. And so she thinks the, 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 her prayer and fasting is where the power is at. No, that's just a symbol. The power is in only one name. And so I grew up in a traditional church and uh, we used to take uh, a communion, right? When I turned 12, you had to go through the, the initiation, you know? And then, you know, when the bishop would come, he'd accept you into the family as an adult. And then for the first time, 12-year-old, you can go to the altar. You can go to the altar and then you get to the altar. You know, all of that is great. You kneel down and then the priest would come give you a wafer and then you drink uh, the wine. And Jesus said, do that as often as you can in remembrance of talking about Jesus. He said, whenever you take the wine, and it's, it's in remembrance of me. It's not in the wine and the wafer. The wine and the wafer can't do much for you. It must all point to Jesus. And if you stop thinking about Jesus while you're taking the wine and the wafer, you're missing out on the purpose of the wine and the wafer. Can I get an amen? amen. And even the baptism. Baptism doesn't get you born again. It's Jesus that gets you born again. But he says when you're being baptized, you must be cognizant and conscious of the fact that when Jesus died, you died with him. And now you're coming back up to life together with him. You are thinking of only one name that whole entire time and you're thinking about Jesus. And similarly, when the apostle Paul says, put on the whole armor, the whole armor is only one name. I didn't know this. See, I grew up in the church and we were, we were uh, uh, spiritual, we were religious. We were not spiritual, we were religious with a lot of ignorance in there. And I would go to prayer meetings and then we would, the pastor would get up and say, you know, uh, today we're going to read Ephesians uh, 6 and we're going to put on the whole armor. We're going to put on, not half of it, the whole thing. We've got to put on the half of it. And so you get up on the front and you'd say, now it's time for us to put on the, the helmet. And for about five minutes we'll be putting on the helmet. Shandarabo, sikarabo, shara. Five minutes, putting on the helmet. There's a stop. Now you got the helmet. Now we're going to put on the bracelet. Let's go. Three, two, one. Shadarabobosa. Sikaramamama. Sondoromo. Shiterebo. Sandaramomomomo. And then you say, no, now we're going to put on the belt. belt. Shoo, 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 shoo. And then the pastor would say this. The pastor would say this. You say, you say, now we've put on the whole thing. Now when you leave, don't take it off. Man, I'm thinking. 
I don't even feel like I put something on. You understand? Let's talk about taking it off. And so I was confused because I wanted to put on the whole armor, but I didn't know how. Can I get an amen? And so how do you put on your whole armor? Go with me to uh, uh, Romans chapter number 13, verse 14. We're going to help you with that. Today you're going to put it on, the whole thing on. <laughs> and you won't take it off, amen? 13, verse 14. It says here in verse uh, 14, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its last. The way you put on the whole armor is by putting on Jesus. The way you put on Jesus is by always, someone say always, being conscious of what Jesus did for you at the cross and your identity in Jesus. This is why he says, be strong in the Lord. In the Lord means in Jesus. Amen. And in the power of his might. He's talking about Jesus. Putting on the whole armor is, is, is simpler than, than the church world has been making it. And I knew I needed to put on the whole armor. They just didn't show me how. And now I've got the whole armor. I've had it for a long time. haven't taken it off. How did I put it on? I walk around being conscious of what Jesus the Christ did for me at the cross. And the identity that I now possess because I've accepted him as, his, as my personal Lord and Savior. And so I've been walking around with the whole armor. Can I get an amen? And so even if you read the armor, it points back to Jesus. Did y'all see that? He says... Uh, 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 the whole armor is this. Uh, 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 gird about your loins with the truth. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus. He says, having on the breastplate of righteousness, who became seen so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus. He says, uh, uh, so that you may wear on your feet shoes with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Who brought the preparation of the gospel of peace between man and God? He says, above all, taking the shield of faith. What is that faith? Faith in Jesus the Christ. He says, when you do that, you'll be able to stand against the evil one. Man, you want to win in spiritual warfare, become Christ conscious. A lot of people are crisis conscious. That's why they are being defeated. They're always on the run. They're always fearful because they don't know who they are in Christ. Can I get an amen? Listen, this thing is, <laughs> Christianity is simpler than you can imagine. Yeah. Amen. And, 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 and because it's simple, I mean, I, I, I like to preach it the way Jesus preached it. And, and, and it's so simple. Sometimes I, I get around people and they say, man, come on, it can't be that simple. No, 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 it can't be that simple. You're just telling me all I have to do is to be Jesus Christ conscious? No, 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 you can't. Come on, PT. And people come to me all the time and say, PT, I bought a car. You know, I need you to do a ceremony for it. I say, man, you got Jesus in your heart. There ain't no need for a ceremony. Just get in that car and have a good time. Yeah. And, and they say, hey, PT is not powerful. Because they want me to have a little bottle of, of oil at, at the end of the service. I can get Marshall, get the piano, and we'll go to around the car. They sing that song that I like, and they sing that song, and I, I start putting on the bolts, put some oil on the bolts, put some oil on the bonnet, put some oil on the... On the and, and then we have a ceremony, and they feel like someone's dead. Now, that, that's not going to help you. What helps you is when you are Christ-conscious. Yeah. 
Can I get an amen? amen. And sometimes in the church, we're just doing way too much. In fact, when Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees, his, 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 his deal with the Pharisees was to take away all the religious things they were doing and tell them that you do all of that, but you forget who it points to. And so don't get stuck on symbolism, spiritual symbolism. Now, I ain't got nothing against communion. We take communion as long as, you know, people realize that it's the bread and the, and the wine to point us to his new covenant, to point us to his blood, to point us to what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. Then you'll be all right. But if you're trying to get healing from a biscuit, <laughs> you're trying to get healing from oil, the oil doesn't have any power. The, the one with the power is Jesus. In fact, it says God gave him the power. Jesus, he was given a name above every other name. That's that name of Jesus. That in the name of Jesus, everything will bow here on the earth, under the world, and even in heaven. And so the power is in Jesus. And Jesus took that power and through the, the, the agency of the Holy Spirit, he came and said, I'm going to live on the inside of you. And so the power you're looking for extrinsically is already on the inside of you. In, in string. That too. It's on the inside of you. Hunt your neighbor and say, he's a good preacher. He, he, just, he just can't speak English, but he's all right. Just tell him. Just tell him he's all right. Oh, oh, oh man, time is flying. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this because, you know, we got to fight, right? He says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so the reason he gave us this armor is so that we may be able to stand in the spiritual uh, warfare. There's a thing called spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6. is talking about that spiritual warfare. And uh, this spiritual warfare is not spooky. It's not taking place somewhere out there. You know, uh, if you read uh, the other letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, uh, uh, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the what? Pulling down off. Now, these are not strongholds up there somewhere. These are strongholds uh, uh, in here between your ears. Casting down imaginations. Where do you imagine? Putting down every knowledge that seeks to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Where does knowledge reside? And you're thinking. And so when he says so that you may be able to fight against the wars of the devil, he wants to prepare you to be able to fight against the deceptions of the devil. The only the highest level of spiritual warfare is when the enemy comes to try and deceive you so that you can you can you can act outside of your true identity in Christ. Did you hear what I said? I said the highest level of spiritual warfare is when your thinking is messed up. Now, I, I was a pastor for, for this group way back. I'm talking 15 uh, years ago. And, uh, and, and, and we were, you know, starting to understand spiritual warfare, praying in tongues and things of that nature. And we'll cast out devils and, and things of that nature. And the one time I cast out uh, this devil from this uh, uh, young lady, I don't even know if I cast the devil out or she just got tired. And, and she, she stopped acting the fool. And we all thought, you know, I cast out the devil. And I went home and I was proud of myself and I was excited. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm a powerful uh, man of God. And, and, and meanwhile, back at the, at the ranch, I was struggling with poverty. I was struggling with a false sense of identity. I was struggling with sickness. I had things tormenting me in my thinking. And the Lord told me, Tafara, you may have won that battle extrinsically. 
but you're losing the battle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, know how to preach. The Lord told me, he said, he said, you're losing the eyes. Think about it. When Adam and, and, and Eve fought the, the, the biggest spiritual warfare that was fought in the Garden of Eden, the, the Bible says the enemy went and possessed a snake because he was the sneakiest of all the animals. He didn't go to possess uh, uh, an elephant. He could have possessed an elephant or one of the beasts, put his foot on Eve's neck and just shoved the fruit down her throat. He can do that. He does not have any physical power to force you to do anything. But what he did is he possessed a snake and the snake came and said, did God say? Spiritual warfare had already begun. Yeah. See, some of you are waiting for the throwing up and all the external manifestation, but you don't realize spiritual warfare begins when you get a thought that's contrary to who God says you are. Amen. Some of you are thinking, I'm not going to make it this month. You are in deep spiritual warfare right now. So that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. And the enemy does not change his formula. Even when he came to have spiritual warfare with Jesus. What did he bring? Thoughts, ideas and suggestions. He says, if you are the son of man. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? He wanted Jesus to prove his identity by doing a miracle. And Jesus says, I ain't got to do that. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Spiritual warfare. Was, he was in deep spiritual warfare. He didn't have to act crazy. He didn't have to shake. Ah. He just understood that when you have a thought. That's contrary to who God says you are, you are deep in spiritual warfare. And some of you don't realize, and that's why you're losing spiritual battles every single day. Because you're waiting for a, a stroke to appear in your house and manifestation, but you're losing the highest level of spiritual warfare in your thinking. He says the reason we are going to give you the whole armor is so that you may stand against the what? The wiles, the trickeries of the enemy. When the enemy comes and he says to you, this thing you got is incurable. It's a thought. Spiritual warfare has begun. When he comes to you and he says, your marriage, your marriage is not going to survive. Spiritual warfare has begun. When he comes to you and he says, who do you think you are? Spiritual warfare has begun. And I notice those things. When he says, who do you think? I, I say, man, how much time you got? And I go into the Bible and I start reading from the book of Romans all the way to the book of Jude. And I start telling him who I think I am. Amen. And I tell him I am more than a conqueror. I think I am. I tell him I'm justified. I tell him I'm redeemed. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. I tell him that. I tell him all of that. Are you, who do you think you are? I have, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And I start telling him, and that's how you win spiritual warfare. All of that other, you know, spooky stuff that people do, that's, it happens. I'm not discounting that, but it's low-level spiritual warfare. You know why? Because I can cast it out with two words. In, the, in fact, one word. In the name of Jesus, Puma. But how do you cast out your thinking? If your thinking is corrupted, if you think you are a nobody, how do you cast out your thinking? 
That's what he says. Guard your heart with how much? With all oh. diligence. All of the, guard your thinking because that's where the highest level of spiritual warfare takes place. He said, to, see, a lot of people don't understand what was happening when Jesus was in the wilderness. A lot of people think that uh, uh, an actual animal, you know, appeared with a red suit and a pitchfork. They don't realize that it was an internal dialogue. They don't realize that it was thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. The enemy is not going to come in a red suit and a pitchfork because then you would see him a mile away and say that's the devil I don't want anything to do with you but you know what he does he comes through thought sometimes through your best friend oh forget that sometimes through you I remember when I graduated college graduated college and uh, I was looking for a job and two weeks had gone by and I started uh, uh, coming up with these thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. I mean, the devil brought some, but these ones was just me. You know, I'm just, I, I, I volunteered myself, turned myself in into spiritual warfare. And so what I'll do is I'll sit there and think, you know, there's no way I'm going to get a job. Thought, idea, suggestion. Uh, I'm going to be a loser. I won't get married and I won't have a family. I won't get a job. I was already in spiritual warfare. And, 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 and man, it would get worse and worse and worse. And I'd get depressed. So depressed that it would be 28 degrees Celsius outside. I'd go find me a blanket. <laughs> and sit on the couch and just feel sorry for myself. I didn't realize I was in spiritual warfare. Now, what do you do when you are in those moments is you go to war. You put on the whole armor of God. How do you put it on? You don't do all of that. No, no. You start reminding yourself, Jesus died for me. Jesus redeemed me. Uh, Jesus is the propitiation of my sin. Jesus has justified me. Jesus lives on the inside. Man, I'm telling you, before you know it, you start dancing. <laughs> I got Jesus living on the inside. Now you're ready to go on the offense. And fight against the devil. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you have given us spiritual armor. And that that armor is Jesus, the Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you that Jesus lives on the inside of us. And he has made us new creations. Father, we just thank you this morning that as we go out, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to remind us of who we are in Christ every single day of our lives. We just thank you, Father, that as thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that do not line up with your word, try to uh, uh, take uh, uh, occupancy in our minds and be planted a seed in the garden of our hearts. Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you open our eyes to see what is not of you, what does not line up with your word. We thank you that you gave us these virtues, salvation, truth, righteousness, which is not of ourselves, but the one that Jesus gave us. The gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ took our place 
so we can take his. The faith, faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the work that he did for us at the cross. Love, to know that we are loved. And the hope in our salvation. The confirmation and conviction that we are born again. And that we have a relationship with God. Lord, we just thank you that may these virtues live in our hearts. That may they produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we will not try to generate any power of our own because we can't. But we will submit ourselves to the power that Jesus gives. And as we allow that power to flow, we will see our lives changed and many lives around us transformed. Father, we just thank you for it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone say, Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.